Hello, and welcome to the Odessa First Assembly Podcast. My name is Tony, and I'm the Digital Ministry Manager here at OFA. Today, we're kicking off a new sermon series titled, The Lordship of Jesus. Throughout this series, we'll be exploring what it truly means to submit to Jesus and make Him the Lord of our lives. Pastor Todd Starnes will be sharing powerful insights into this important topic. So without further ado, let's jump right into today's message from The Lordship of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning and all that you've done. We're grateful for you, grateful for your work. And once again, we pray that our hearts will be good soil, ready to receive your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you want to turn with me to the book of Luke, is where we're going to be looking this morning. The book of Luke, chapter 14. Um, Next week, we're starting a new series called The Spirit-Filled Life. And so it's going to take us through May and probably even into June. I'm excited about that. We're going to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in us, how he makes us new, new creations. We're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the gift of tongues. We're going to talk about this, this, the, the advocate and so many aspects of the Holy Spirit. So be praying about that. But this morning, we're, I'm just, it's just been a two-parter, but talking about the Lordship of Christ and uh, we'll get to the text in here just a moment. Just a couple of weeks ago, um, actually we had, we had a, just a kind of impromptu guest speaker, but a couple of weeks ago we talked about this surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus, that we just can't call him Lord, but he must be our Lord. And, and really that if, if we want those aspects, we're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning, of that joy, peace, deliverance, all those things that have been promised to us and that are available to us, part of the kind of the, how that operates in our life is coming to a place where we just completely surrender to the Lordship of Jesus and say, you know what, I'm just giving it all to you. I'm giving all of myself to you. And that complete surrender to the Lordship of Jesus is really what brings change into our life. When we understand the Lordship of the Lord Jesus, our lives cannot stay the same. We can no longer assume that Christians, believers, really understand what the Lordship of Jesus means because of what we see so promoted even in our Christian culture. I think there are a lot of people who have repeated a prayer but not have come to the place of surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. We pray a prayer, and I will probably do that this morning, and, and we do that to aid, to help, to kind of get you walking in the right direction. But the Bible tells us, I, I don't know we're going to have all these scriptures on in just a moment. We're just kind of taking off. But Romans 10.9 is kind of this that core scripture that says, if we declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, then we'll be saved. But the reality is, it's, when we read this, that we declare Jesus is Lord, it's more than just lip service and our declaration, but it is met up with how we walk the walk. Are we declaring him Lord and also living our life with him being our Lord? Are, are you with me this morning? If we... If we uh, uh, 
what we're doing, we're acknowledging his rank, his supreme place in our lives. We're, we're pledging obedience and worship. We're, we're placing our life under his protection for safekeeping. We're, we're pledging ourselves. Our re- when we say you are our Lord, that's what we're saying. We're, our, our resources under your control and direction, our services under your control and our, and, and direction. And it is to say when Jesus is our Lord, that he is the supreme authority in our life. And I think we process this sometimes as a buzzkill. There is a wiring in us that if we focus really on these things in any way, I mean, it, the way we filter that is, is I, I just, I don't know, you know, I've, I've confessed him as Lord. You know, I don't know that there's really much more for me to do. But listen, you know, what, what we, the way we kind of behave is, is when we talk about the lordship of Jesus, it's kind of like the, the cop showed up. Uh, you know, there, there's a big difference when me and Angela are driving. When Angela's driving, whenever she sees a police officer, man, her instant reaction is to hit that brake. Because the majority of the time, she may be going a little bit over. You may not know that about Angela, but just a little bit over. You see, but when I see an officer, I don't have to do anything. Do you know why? This may shock you, but I am a speed limit driver. I'm a speed limit driver. Who's had more tickets? That's what I thought. Okay, I'm a speed limit driver. I don't have to slam. Now, there was one time I was late to the hunting blind, and my, our cousin pulled me over. But he's a cousin, you know. 2 Corinthians 3.17 tells us, for, where, for the Lord, and I, I kind of did this, you know, does anybody ever read the Amplified? Anybody familiar with the Amplified? The Amplified's really cool. It puts these little, in brackets, like, you know, it, it picks out a word and it kind of gives us more options of what the Greek may be mean. So, I, we have Pastor Todd's Amplified on the screen this morning. And so when we read 2 Corinthians 3.17, for the Lord, I mean, we're talking, I mean, literally, when you do the biblical research, I mean, if we were to mo- talk about it in our vernacular, for the Lord, boss, master, owner, supreme authority, king of kings, and Lord of lords. I mean, when we see that Lord, that's kind of what we need to be processing in our mind is spirit and wherever the Lord is, let me, let me say it this way, and I'm, I'm not reading in the scripture, but where the, Lord, where the Lord is and he is Lord, that's where we find freedom. I want to say that again. Where the spirit of the Lord is and he is Lord, that's where we find freedom. Because we acknowledge and understand that nothing can happen without him. And I know it's, I know it may not go viral. I know it's maybe difficult to process. But listen, we have a tendency just to want to hear how to make life better. The gospel has not been presented to us for a self-help program. That's not the purpose of the gospel. But there are so many believers that are like, you know, I just want to know how to, how 
how to get through the next month. How, how am I going to get what I want? How, how's the Lord going to get me out of this one? And that's not the reason that Jesus came through a virgin birth into a manger and led a sinless life and died on the cross and rose from the grave. It was for our souls. That we could come to him and say, yes, I want you to be my Lord. Now, there is great benefit to serving the Lord. There is, there's blessings. There's, there's no doubt. But listen, you can't go through life, I mean, on your own strength and independence and self-reliance and then just want God to come bail you out when you need it. All of us have, our whole being has to be submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. So the Lord means supreme authority. That's what Lord means. It's, he's, the, he's the owner of it all. There is nothing that was created that wasn't for him or through him, the Bible tells us. In Luke chapter 6, I, I, I was thinking about doing a third week and kind of focusing on this verse, but we're going to get to our text in just a minute, so don't worry. But Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, we see, uh, and I'm not going to go into the whole passage, I'm just going to point out this one verse, you know, it's it says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord? Look, look at what that, those next few words say. When you don't do what I say. You know, the reason why so many times we find ourselves in the same jam, the same predicament, the same problem, the same bondage is we're saying, Lord, Lord, but we haven't done what he said to do. I came to preach for a few minutes this morning. Why do you keep, I mean, I mean, really, I, I was thinking, you know, what's some points I could, I mean, it's just really just that explanatory. What scripture tells us, why do you say, Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? It doesn't work to be saved by him, but not serve him. It doesn't work to be saved by him and not submit to him. And so let's get to our text. In Luke chapter 14, we're going to do this a little bit. Don't want to read the whole text. I'm not going to do it that way this morning. But Luke chapter 14, I just want to begin in verse 25. And I, because as I was processing and thinking and praying about this, and I got to Luke 14, 25, I really couldn't get past it for a while just processing it. Luke 14, 25, a large crowd was following. And that's, I mean, for the longest while, I, I was just stuck on that, just thinking about that. A large crowd was following. And we see through Scripture, I mean, like there's, there are 34 times you see in the New Testament where the crowd was following Jesus. Matthew 8, 1, large crowds followed Jesus. Luke 5, 1, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of Galilee, great crowds pressed in. Matthew chapter 20, verse 29, as the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. And so here's Jesus, and there's this large crowd following him, and there's no doubt that he really got people's attention by what he was doing. No doubt. I mean, if you raise somebody from the dead, it's going to get you a little bit of attention, right? I mean, if, you're, if deaf ears are opening, if you're spitting in mud and whopping on people's eyes, you're going to get some, you're going to get some attention. If, if you have 5,000 people on a mountainside and you feed all of them with leftovers, 
I mean, he's going to turn down a free meal. Giving food to thousands. I mean, there's no doubt that people were attracted to Jesus, maybe even because he was, some of the things he was saying, he was speaking against even some of the religious of the day because of the weight they were putting on the people. And he said, that's not what all this is intended for. And he, he was speaking out publicly against people. I mean, what people were thinking in their heart anyway. And so they're like, oh, I'm going I'm I'm to see what this guy's all about. It's not a negative thing for people to be attractive attracted to what Jesus does. I tend to believe even that miracles and those manifestations of the Holy Spirit are, is a dinner bell to salvation. One of these days I'm going to preach an illustrated sermon on that. We're going to have a dinner bell. You may ever, you may remember, they may ever grow up on a, you know, property, a dinner bell. You know, we should do that at camp. We should have a dinner bell, you know, we'd ring it when dinner was ready. And, and cause it, it, it does attract people. The good that Jesus does is one of his attributes. Listen, Jesus does good stuff. And we are thankful and grateful Jesus saves and he heals and he delivers and he provides and he guides and he answers and he binds up the broken heart and he heals the body, he heals the mind, he sets free. And we are grateful and thankful. And that's going to attract people and draw a crowd. But I'm, I'm always reminded of that moment. And I didn't provide the scripture for us, but I, it was this moment where there's this, these crowds following Jesus, and he, ten, he had a tendency to thin them out. I mean, one time he even said, eat my body and drink my blood. And the scripture actually says that the disciple, that the people following him found this as a hard saying, and many left. That's what always happens when it gets real. That's what always happens when Jesus is like, okay, you're, you know, that's what, I mean, we get the goosebumps, we get the snot bubbles, we like, we like to worship and lift our hands, but then Jesus all of a sudden speaks into our life something, and we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no reason to get personal, Jesus. Really, you want to hit me there? Our relationship with Jesus can't stay about only what he can do for us. I mean, if we really want to follow and serve the Lord, he's got to be our Lord. I mean, if, if me and Angela, I mean, you know, we've been married 25 years, 20, 25, 26, whatever, it's been a long time. And it seems like yesterday we first got married. But if our marriage was only... Me ex expecting fix my supper, wash my clothes, meet my phys physical needs. How about you just work and then I'll spend the money? You deal with the kids. I mean, what kind of marriage would I have? I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't have, I, I probably wouldn't even have one. <laughs> I do my own laundry. True statement. I do my own. She gets mad at how long sometimes my clothes stay in the dryer, but I do my own laundry. <laughs> Having the crowd is not bad, but we've got to remember it's just not about following the crowd. It's about following Jesus. And this is for free. And I just want to remind you, in the last days, there's going to be a whole lot of false teachers with a whole lot of charisma. There's going to be some false prophets, all kinds of miracles. 
but that aren't authentic. Make sure you're not following a person, but you're following the person in the Lord Jesus Christ. Having a crowd is not bad, but we're not called to follow the crowd. Listen, following Jesus is more than just enjoying the benefits of following Jesus. For whatever reason, they're following him. And so when you read that scripture, but listen to me, Jesus, he was no salesperson. He wasn't trying to sell this life of, of, yeah, come follow me and things are going to be awesome. Come follow me. And man, I'm a, I mean, you know, when you, when you show in a, a hundred dollars, I'm going to make sure you get 10,000 back. That's not the way that Jesus taught. Now, is there benefit in our obedience to the Lord in giving? Absolutely. Does he promise he'll open up the windows of heaven? Yes, he will. But I'm going to tell you, you're not going to see the fruition of that scripture unless the Lord of Lords is the Lord over the bank account. Amen. See, so many times we st- want to step and we're like, man, I want to be a part of that. I want to give to that. But listen, we give first because it's his anyway. I mean, listen, he, I, you think about the, the rich young ruler. You remember that story? I mean, here comes this guy and he's like, you know, Oh, what I got to do to be saved? I want to follow you. Okay, you know what? Follow the commandments. I do that. Okay, well then sell all of you have. Wait a minute, Jesus. Did you really have to go there? Really? But see, Jesus knew what was holding him back to see him as Lord. Make sense? And the Bible says that he turned away and went away sad because he had a whole lot of money. The next verse doesn't say, then Jesus chased after him and said, oh, let me change, let me, let me, let's find another way. He let him walk away sad. Listen, a follower of Jesus is a follower of Jesus all the time. There's no area, when he is Lord, there is no area that I don't follow him. I follow him in every area. And then we get to Luke 14, 26. If you want, so, so we see this, there's this crowd following him. There's a crowd following him. Let me get back to the verse. There's a crowd following him. And um, I'm going to say that over and over because I can't find the verse yet. Verse 25, what did it say? Somebody remind me. Um, yeah, there we go. Verse 25. So a large crowd follow him. He turned around and said to them, and so we pick up in verse 26. So there's this crowd following. He turns around. He says to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. And this is one of these instances where I really like how the New New Living Translations puts this. Because there's a a lot of accuracy in the way the New Living translates this. You must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Way to bring in the crowd, Jesus. Number two, we are not called to be casual followers, but disciples. We are not called to be casual Christmas, Easter Christians, but we are called to be disciples. I mean, that's what it really, what it means to be disciplined in our walk with Jesus. And so listen, I, I know I talk, I don't know, do we have any Bible underliners? 
Anybody that does any, you write in your, okay. So if you're one of those, this is one of those, listen, I, and I know like when I first learned I could highlight in my Bible and that it, I wouldn't go to hell over it. I mean, it was like, I, mean, I was highlighting everything. I don't even, I was like, oh, that's a good one. And I just, and so then like, you know, I just had a color coded Bible that everything was highlighted. And it's like, I can't remember why I highlighted that even, but it was a good scripture. But if you're one of those, I'm going to help you just a little bit when you're looking at that verse. If you want to be my disciple, and so I think we have it up there the way, yeah. So in, in, in my Bible, this is how I have it underlined and circled. If you want to be my disciple, everybody say disciple. And then the, really the next key to this is comparison. You hate every, everyone else. And so I have that underlined. Father, wife, children, brothers, sisters, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot. And listen, I know, I know it's a kind of a focus a little bit on what's perceived as the negative. But when Jesus is saying by comparison, that's really important. Because Jesus is not actually telling you to hate everybody else. That's not what he's saying. I mean, we know, we see in Scripture about the love, the preference we're supposed to give to one another. When Jesus speaks of hating everyone for his sake, it is a hyperbole, meaning we're to love everything else less. If you remember what a hyperbole is, it is an exaggerated statement to bring an emphasis on what what's really being said. And what Jesus is saying is, listen, your love for me, your love for me should be so deep, so committed, so number one, that even though your love, everybody else around you, that if it were to be compared, people would think you hate them. Does that make sense? I mean, that's, that's, no, that's no casual kind of love for the Lord. And so that's what our love for the Lord, and listen, when you, so how does that translate? What, what does that look like? Listen, I, you know, when I, when, when that moment when my life changed and, and as an adult, you know, I tried so many times as a teenager and, and really had no solid footing and, and kept, you know, backsliding and turning away. And, and my life finally, I came to that moment, that realization, I had that encounter with the Lord and everything changed forever, I realized that if he was going to be the Lord of my life, there were things in my life that I couldn't do anymore. That I had to give up. I couldn't go to the bar anymore. I couldn't go and, and hang out with my buddies that were Brins drinking on, well, pretty much every night, but the weekend, whatever. I couldn't partake in those. I couldn't keep watching. And listen, I'm not trying to be on some kind of soapbox. And I, you know, I'm not here to tell you if you rate your, watch a radar movie, you know, that it's, I mean, you know, that's it. You know, you're going to miss the rapture. That's not what I'm trying to say. But when we allow the Lord to speak into our life, it changes things. And I gave up that secular music because it's such a big deal in my life. And I, I gave up the raunchy movies. And you know what? He didn't even have to force me to. It wasn't even really, God, can we talk about this? I mean, because I wanted to serve him. Amen. Jesus warned all the disciples. He was saying, you need to be clear about your true allegiance. Sometimes relationships 
would be severed. Sometimes, I mean, when we're talking about this first century error, I mean, potentially, potentially they, I mean, they would be outcasted from their families by making that decision. And so I know sometimes it's kind of difficult to process and, and it's like, well, how are we going to reach the loss if we're running away from the loss? Listen, I mean, when you first get saved, you can't keep hanging around what you are bound to. Allow the, I mean, even when Paul, I mean, Paul talks about he was the Hebrew of Hebrews. I mean, he was the holy of the holy when it came to the religious of, of the Old Testament and the law. But even Paul disappeared three years in the desert. Come on, somebody. I mean, listen, you know, if, if Paul had to have these encounters with God and, and be discipled by the Holy Spirit and, and, and whatever that process looked like for him, I mean, what do I need? I, I know Paul. Are y'all still? Yeah, I love you guys. Y'all love me. I love y'all. Y'all a little quiet. New series next week. Proverbs 20, or Matthew twenty two thirty seven. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. All of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. Now, I mean, and, and make this in reference point to what's happening in this moment of Jesus saying all these crowds following him. He turns to him and he says, man, if you really want to follow me, then your love for me, I mean, like, I have precedence more than your father does. I have precedence in your life over your mom. I have precedence in your life over your brothers and your sisters and the, one, the ones you've been hanging. What, listen, if you want to follow me, what I say goes. But if you'll do what I say, you'll enter into a life that you can have never imagined I was kind of reading between the lines, but it's there. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. And so our heart, there's emotion. It is okay to love the Lord emotionally. But the problem is that's where so many people kind of stay and land and stick. I've got to love God more than just with my emotion. It's with heart, soul, and mind. It's everything. I mean, I love the verse. Listen, I feel like I'm a, I'm, I know I'm a demonstrative, and I, I tend to be a passionate person, Psalm 84, 2, my, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of my Lord. My heart and my flesh, they, they sh- sing for joy for the living God. I tend to like the older translations. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. That's okay. And listen, if, if I may be so blunt to say, there's some of you, maybe especially men, it's okay to, to step across that line and to be a little emotional about your worship to the Lord and your service to the Lord. Do not believe the lie that, it, that, that men don't cry. And those are, we, we love him with all of our soul. That, and what that is, I, I wish I had time to really go deep into this, but I don't. But that, that soul part of us, there is a willful decision to love our, is in our love for God. There's a willful decision. Listen, love is not always emotion. There's sometimes that my love for the people in my life is not emotional. Sometimes I'm mad at them. And I can say, you know, today I'm going to love you anyway. 
Even though I told you 10 times to take out the trash. I'm gonna, you're not doing what I say. But I'm going to love you. <laughs> it, it is a choice. And listen, for if you're struggling in your marriage, sometimes the, where that begins is you lose the emotion of love. Well, that's really not love anyway. What it comes down to is today I'm deciding to honor my covenant and I'm going to love you anyway. Same thing with the Lord. As a deer pants for following stream, so my soul so longs for you, O oh God. So, I mean, there's a place where I, you make that decision, you make that decision, you make that decision, you make that decision. And it's not a hard decision anymore because you've made the decision. The reason why sometimes so many, we struggle in our faith and we struggle with our walk. And, and in that moment, we feel this emotional pull and we want to make things right with God, but we don't make that resolve right then that says, you know what? I, I'm not going to go back to what it was like. I'm not going to go back to that life. I, I'm not going to go back to that person that keeps offering me the meth. I'm not going to go back to the person that sucks me into their gossip. I'm not going to go back into that group that's always backbiting with other people. I'm going to resolve that the Lord's going to be the Lord of my life. And then there's, we love the Lord with all of our mind. Loving God when it doesn't make humanly sense. I had a little battle just a moment ago. I hope, you, I hope that moment, you know, the holy ground moment, I hope it administered to you. And I, there was something I battled with a little bit. I had to decide whether it was me or the Lord but there were several times I was like, you know, I just need to take my shoes off. I just need to take my shoes off. And, and um, you know, but I, I, if, if the Spirit had really impressed me to do that, I would have done it. Listen, there, there's sometimes that we ha have this encounter with God and we have to realize that the Lord is going to speak to us things. Listen, this will change your life. There are times the Lord, the, the Holy Spirit is going to put a witness on the inside of you for you to obey and it's not going to make sense to anybody else. And it's not, it's not, the Lord already knows your heart. He already knows, you know, your path. And it's not for the Lord to see your obedience, but it's for you to see where your obedience to the Lord is. And then those moments determine so many times where his lordship ranks in our life. Does that make sense? The third thing is this, there's a cost of discipleship. There's a cost of discipleship, Luke 14, 27. I'm not going to read the whole passage. It talks about counting the cost, verse 28. I'll jump back up to 27 in a second, but 28, um, you know, but, but don't begin until you count the cost for who begins construction. And it talks about, you know, a king that would go to war, not taking stock in his army. But the, the main verse I want to point out is verse 27. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be disciples. I mean, it just seems like Jesus, he's setting up roadblock after roadblock. He's like, listen, you know, if, uh, if, uh, if you want to follow me, then you got to be my disciple. I don't know if I want you meddling in my life in that, Lord. And so there's kind of a, a, a weeding out process. And then he says again, okay, if you want to follow me, then you've got to carry your own cross. All the people in the sound of his voice that heard him say that knew exactly what that meant. They knew exactly the Roman culture that they made the one going to execution carry their own cross. 
That doesn't sound like a whole lot of American preaching I hear on the TV right now. But it's a reality. I mean, we got to understand this, that yes, there is a blessing, there is life and life abundantly, and there's all of these things that we enjoy from the Lord. But the truth of the matter is, we're never really going to understand what it is to live life that way until he is the Lord over everything. Over everything. Carry your own cross. Carry your own cross. What a... What does it mean to carry the cross? They take up their own cross. It means to follow Jesus even to death if necessary. I mean, we like to quote the scripture, Galatians 2.20, for I've been crucified with Christ. I mean, right? I mean, that, that... Man, that sounds good. That sounds, it is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. I mean, really process what that scripture is saying. It's saying, I have carried my cross that day. Dead men don't have rights. I don't get to have those arguments with the Lord if he's the Lord of my life. If he asks me, I want you to give, I want you to serve, I want you to share your, uh, here's what I want you, I mean, it's just got to be a yes. It's just got to be a yes. I mean, when Jesus is using this picture of his followers taking up their crosses, they all knew what it meant, that death on the cross was the form of execution used for criminals, and and they would carry their own cross The reason why Rome would have, there was a meaning behind it. When those criminals were carrying that cross, it was the public confession that Rome had power over them and they were submitting to Rome. That was the design purpose of the cross. And Jesus is saying, you got to carry your cross daily. So what does that mean? That he's going to be the Lord of Lords in my life. That he's going to be the King of Kings in my life. That no one is going to have authority over me except for the Lord. And we, listen, this isn't like the DPS or the tanks as rangers showing up in our life. This is freeing. This is freeing. This is where we find real freedom. If you want to, and he said, verse 20, if you want to be my disciple, by comparison, you must hate everyone else. You must pick up your cross daily. And so then he goes to this illustration. And so really quick in closing, it gets to the last verse. And so he says it again. So therefore, anyone of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Let, let, let me read it this way just a little bit. And, and again, this is not taking, I don't believe this is taking scripture out of context, but I think it'll help our understanding. Because I've interchanged follower and disciple because Jesus described a true follower was a disciple. Does that make sense? So, so therefore, if anyone of you who do not renounce all that he has cannot follow me. Cannot follow me. I mean, that's what Jesus is saying. Are you willing to give up possessions? Are you willing to give up plans? Are you willing to give up positions? Are you willing to give up status? Are you willing to give up your wants. Do 
Because that's really the question I believe that when, it, when we understand what the lordship of Jesus is, those are the questions he's saying. Are you willing to have no place to rest your head? Are you really willing to give me everything? Lord means supreme authority. As a Lord over your money and you be the steward. As a Lord over your car and you're the steward. As a Lord over your time and you're just the steward. As a Lord over your house and you're just the steward. As a Lord over your kids and you're just the steward. You see, we like preaching about that. You know, if we're faithful over the little, he'll make us faithful over the much. And then we wonder why, why, why doesn't that happen in my life? Why don't, why don't I, I don't see that promotion? Well, where the disconnect happens is, is that we think we own the little. We think it's all ours. But when we're willing to say, okay, Lord, it's all yours. That's the beginning step to see more come into your life. Because the Lord gives you what you've been faithful over. Did you catch that? The Lord gives you where he knows you can be faithful. And I, I just stand there. I'm going to keep going. Man, I got so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Odessa First Assembly podcast. If you've enjoyed today's message, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on social media for updates and inspirational content throughout the week. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Odessa First AG. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us in person for our Sunday morning services at 1030 a.m. You can also catch our live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and Church Online. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on the Odessa First Assembly podcast.